Live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey everybody, and welcome to Ask Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada, the engineer, with me, Mr. Lady Ada, on camera control and controlling the universe from inside of his Boltzmann brain. Um, we've got an exciting yeah, I mean, show. I you watch a video about that. Yeah, watch a video. Uh, we got an exciting show for you tonight. We've got all sorts of news and new products and videos. Um, everybody's favorite segment, chip shortage. Yeah, that's uh, back. It's back. Well, you know, we don't, <laughs> don't want to overdo it, you know, as, 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 as you know, you want to beg for chips sparingly. Um, There's so many chips to beg for. I know. But we actually, we actually got some in. We had some Grand yeah. Centrals in uh, just an hour ago. Very exciting stuff. So some parts are coming in, but for the next hour, we're broadcasting live from this uh, factory behind us where we do all this kitting and manufacturing and testing and, and coding and pick and placing. Yeah. Um, so let's kick it off. What's on tonight's show, Mr. Lee? On tonight's show, the code is FUEL. 10% off on the free store all mm -hmm. the way up to 11.59 p.m. tonight. Use it or lose it. You also get free stuff. We'll talk about that in a bit. We have a bunch of Adafruit live shows. We'll talk about that and more, including show and tell. We'll get some time travel, little updates, news, and more things that are going around in the world of makers, hackers, artists, and engineers. We've got everyone's favorite segment. It's back, and it's never kind of gone away, and who knows when we're going to stop doing this. This week, it's chip shortages, TDK, and Vincent's. From the mailbag, we read your letters that you sent in. We got some advanced manufacturing made in New York City footage. And I'm going to make an announcement. I'll even say it now. We're done doing time lapses of the Disney building across the street. <laughs> Just done. Okay? So can do some 3D printing. the last two years of videos. <laughs> can do some 3D printing videos. We got uh, INMPI brought to you by DigiKey this week. It is a new product from Microchip. We've got some new products. We've got a top secret video. We're going to answer your questions. We do that over on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord or discord.tg slash adafruit. Join all 35,000 of us and more. All that on tonight's show, Ask an Engineer. Yay! Okay, let's uh, kick it <laughs> off right away. I heard like no oh. more. The mouse doesn't get any more free video time on this show. Yeah, like we change up stuff all the time. You know what's great about uh, impermanence is change because... You know, we've been doing the time lapse of the building across the street, and I'm just like, you know what? Like, it's time to turn the page on that chapter. Like, it's the building's built. Let's it's do. Built, yeah. Maybe we should do time trap, uh, time time lapses of other things that we want to see. Well, there's know. the other side of the building. We could point it out towards. Well, the city. there's plants. There's also time lapses <laughs> that we can do of like maybe some of the, some of the manufacturing things. Um, so, anyways, I'm just gonna shift gears. Um, we do free stuff uh, in addition to the code codes fuel. Um, Lady Ada, what do they get when they spend some bucks? Ah, uh, when you buy stuff from adafruit.com. And I did mention we have Grand Centrals back in stock. Uh, we also have some Teensy 4s if you act quick. Um, you can get some free goodies in your cart uh, automatically added. $99 or more, you get a free Permaproto half-sized breadboard. It's a lovely way to make your projects permanent. Uh, $149 or more, you get a KB2040 um, this all-in-one microcontroller board is adorable, features the RP2040, 8 megabytes of flash, a Stemic UT port, uh, USB-C, and it's castellated, great for all sorts of Arduino or CircuitPython projects. $199 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping in the continental United States. And as you mentioned, back by popular demand and because we actually got some chips in, we have the Circuit Playground Express for $299 dollars or more orders uh, it's a wonderful way and a wonderful gift um, for people who want to learn programming and electronics no soldering is required everything is on the board all right and don't forget to make an account on adafruit.com 
verify your account and do two-step authentication. Do that for all of your online activity it's, that sites that have it. And if they I don't, you notice it's all security everywhere. <laughs> if they don't have it, email them and say, hey, I really want two-factor authentication because if you read the news, everything is leaky, it's unending, it's never gonna end. Computers just uh, were made to copy and share. It's not going away. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. So um, this has been something that's been helpful for our community. And you know, just for the folks who know how we do things at Adafruit, the very first day that someone steps into our Adafruit, we start doing training about what's important with email. When they use Adafruit email, of course, they're two-step authenticated. But we also do things like, hey, this is what a phishing attempt or an email looks like. Because um, this is happening in all of our lives. Uh, we do a, a daily stand-up meeting um, in shipping. And I think it was like a week or so ago, I said, hey, like, watch out. You know, a lot of us are getting uh, text message spams just in our personal life. And it's like, log into your, you know, TD Bank account. And someone's like, yeah, I got one of those. I have Chase. And, and then another person said, yeah, I got one to log into your Chase account, but I'm, you know, I don't even use Chase Bank. So this is happening everywhere. And there's probably um, no way to ever stop it. So all you can do is continually uh, educate and make people feel like it's uh, safe to talk about how all these computers and things are are out there and how they can be used or misused and phones are now a supercomputer in our pocket. So um, get a taste of it at Adafruit and then Great practice. share this type of practice. If Even if you're at a company where they're thinking of this stuff, uh, all this extra layers, and there's no way to stop it, but these extra layers are just ways to help protect your data. Um, and that's one of the things that we've always uh, made sure that was a core promise is like we uh, guard your data uh, tenaciously. Uh, one of the things that we always say, if there's, if we're, if there's no data, you don't have to worry about it. So we don't do lots of logging and like info sharing with third parties. There's a lot of things that we decided not to do. Um, I guess one thing that I like to always uh, hear from customers, they're like, I love going to the Adafruit site because I have an account there and I'm logged in. But when I when I go off the website later, I don't get a weird email that says, "Hey, do you still have stuff in your cart?" It is like weird that a lot of sites. You go to a website, now you're on newsletters forever, or you uh, think you're going to buy something, and then you get an email. There's no cookies. We yeah. don't rent, There's sell, borrow any of your info. We, we actually delete a bunch of logs after 30 days. We, yeah. we really don't want to keep that stuff around. And then the other thing that we did is on Learn, we just updated our Learn Guide. You can use YubiKeys, um, and um, you can also, if you're on Linux, uh, Authy. We, have, we updated all the guides, so we're also educating how to do this. Yes. So that's our security. Um, notice that we want to, we're going to continue to get the word out. I use Authy all the time. I, I, I love it. I agree. I have YubiKeys. Um, you know, there's all sorts of improvements on, yeah. you know, if you're, especially if you're someone who reuses passwords, I know you're not supposed to, but I know people do. Two factor is going to help you. Yeah. And um, I'll just say this so maybe I can uh, send it over. Um, we love you, Mudge. Thank you for doing all Yay. the things you do. So I'll send this to Mudge later. Okay. Okay. Um, so we do a series of live shows, like this one. <laughs> oh yeah, this is live. Yeah, it's live. Um, special thanks to uh, Noam Pedro, who did the show and tell. Make sure you watch it on any of our streaming platforms. Uh, JP's doing the one next week, and then I think um, we're gonna be doing um, the one after, but we'll see. Um, Disc of Lady Ada, we do that show every week. Uh, Lady Ada, what was on the desk this week? And I remembered to do this again. Oh, what? Man. I, it's going to stop, so you got to... Oh, okay. That's fine. Uh, you remember okay. what you're talking about? No, I remember what we talked about. So we actually did a lot of light sensors. Um, 
We did the uh, GUVA UV sensor. I put that together, the LTR-329 and the LTR-303. And we actually ended up going out to a park and testing out the UV sensor outdoors as well, because it's hard to test UV sensors indoors. Uh, lamps don't usually um, uh, don't uh, uh, trigger off the, the, a really good UV sensor. Um, so we, um, I got that going. I got so I showed off the Circuit Python libraries, and we also got the tester for the Max seventeen oh forty eight, which is the new um, new part for the week. Yeah, and then um, we did the Great Search. That's the uh, time when Lady Idiot uses her power of engineering to find um, all the parts you need on digikey.com. Okay. Um, so this week, uh, yet another part that's unavailable, the CCS811 is a very popular gas sensor um, from Sciosense, I think. And we uh, looked to find a alternative and we found a couple of good options. Okay. And then uh, JPU's product pick of the week, uh, that is Tuesdays. A um, little bit of a programming note, the Thursday, JP's off, so you won't see JP's workshop, but we do have a product pick highlight of the week this week. It's the PCF8574. It is a GPIO expander that runs over I2C with two convenient Stemma QT connectors on it, and this allows you to add up to eight digital inputs or outputs. So you can use these as current syncing LEDs, or you can use them as inputs for buttons and switches. I'm essentially running each button to a ground rail, and that ground rail goes to this negative input or, or ground on the PCF8574. And then each of these, they're labeled pin zero through seven, run to the other side of each of these switches. As I press buttons on my button board here, I am turning on and off a little print statement here. It is the PCF8574 GPIO expander with Stemma QT. And on Fridays, we do deep dive with Tim. Tune in, 2 p.m. There was a, a Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. There was a big old um, series of videos that we did last week. We'll talk about the CircuitPython day. And he's a so. guy who's coming out from Tim and he's been yeah. showing off how he built the guide in the video. So if you're interested in deep dives on graphics and game programming with CircuitPython and Python, check these videos out. Okay, time travel. <clears throat> what I think I'm gonna do is, I think I'm gonna have a little spot on the Adabox site because I do a little update every week and then yeah. I could probably just link to the time code and just say like, here's our latest message. Cause I do this every week. So Adabox, we're still um, uh, squirreling away all the parts that we can. I'm stuffing them in my cheeks. So yeah, oh. so we can, um, so Adabox is thousands of thousands <laughs> at a time. So right now we put in thousands of products, but there's chip shortages. So they go in and out of stock like really a hundred at a time. Yeah. yeah. So um, we've, been, we've been riding the, the, <clears throat> the chip shortage wave to, to run Adafruit. Adabox has been a little bit more challenging. So uh, we went from maybe we could do winter, maybe we could do spring. We're in summer. I think this is going to be autumn edition. We'll see. But the challenge that we have, and I think that's why I'm going to put this on the side, is we don't want to send you an email for no good reason and say, hi, there's no updates. But we also want to make sure you're updated. So people email us and they're like, is there any updates? And we're like, no, no updates. We don't charge the credit cards or anything until we ship. So it doesn't matter how long it lasts. We have a huge waiting list for people to get on. So if folks are coming going off Adabox, that's fine. Um, but as of right now, no new updates. Not sure if we're gonna 
tell you that there's no updates, but we'll continue to talk about this with our team, with our community, and the Adabox customers. I think using this form of media oh, is good. the way to go because it's like, oh, if you're really curious, <clears throat> it we kind of plaster this everywhere and we have the show every week and everything. So And people also tell others like, oh, if you want an update, check yeah, out. Yeah, and some Discord and all this stuff. So I'm just, you know, we're always reluctant to blast email if there's no good reason, there's no action, there's nothing to do. Um, but we'll do that too, um, if needed. Adafruit I.O. update. So uh, what's lots new? Lots of updates. Yeah, lots of updates. So I.O. now has more beautiful components. You can configure them on off boring. Well, now you can do, put custom labels. Uh, you can also assign icons to the components. You can use font awesome and emojis, which is really neat. It's really neat. Yeah. Um, components now can display their um, units, you know, like metric. Yeah, like and degree then, C or percentage yeah. or volts or whatever. Much more customizable and more. So I got all this going on here. You can see it in the screen. It's beautiful. It's functional. It's free. It's easy. It's no code. Um, this is one of the uh, only and best services that works with any hardware. Uh, if the hardware is not there, you can do a uh, pull request. Pull request, and, and just we got add two it. this week. Uh, two people added sensors. People can add boards. It doesn't have to be from Adafruit, by the way. Um, it can be from any vendor. We we take pull requests for sensors um, yeah. or uh, boards from anybody. Um, we support multiple other vendors' boards where it's not locked in, um, and we're going to be adding mm -hmm. more and more. Right now, it's just we we have the hardware on hand, so we know for sure it works with our stuff. But um, we. We're really excited to see more and more people um, submitting pull requests to adding new sensors, I squared C sensors, and now you can add um, digital and analog sensors as well, custom sensors. Uh, you just need a photo, add a little bit of JSON, yeah. and uh, submit it. Yeah, I was thinking about how um, we've been doing a lot of uh, stuff with Learn and Adafruit IO and our store over the the years, and how we have a weekly show. So, um, but I also been thinking about how. I've used some other, you know, Internet of Things services, and they've gone out of business. Or um, I've used them, and all of a sudden they say, "No, you have to use. You can only use our hardware, or you can only use this hardware. Or you have to pay for this type of service and stuff." Um, we have a pro version, you know, you know, plus version of Adafruit IO. You know, please support it. But we're not going to ever do that. We're not going to force you to you use get more. only our hardware. Yeah because it doesn't seem to make sense with how Internet of Things stuff should work. So, um, you know, on one hand, there's endless gigs of videos of us doing these shows every week. On the other hand, I'm going to use that for future proofing ourselves. So um, I'm just noticing a lot of the websites out there are starting to change their terms of service and do things They're like, by the way, you can only use this device. And oh, like, you know how there was a free tier where there's not a free tier anymore. And I feel like there should be ways to support these services and sites, but I don't, it feels like a you know a rug pull. Well, we you know we this. don't sell hardware like a lot of IoT companies. They sell their hardware at cost or below cost to try to make money on subscriptions, and yeah, we don't a, have VCs, and so <laughs> there's nobody calling us every night saying where's your subscription model. Um, we, Why aren't we, you pivoting to coin? Well, you know, we, yeah, there's, we don't need, you know, any kind of blockchain, you know, where subscription revenue, we make money. Yeah. You know, if you if you go pro, we just give you more more feeds, but that's because it does cost more to run the service if you're using yeah. a lot of feeds. And it's been working out. We've managed to build, build a business and a company and also have things like I.O. So yeah. anyways, um, I wanted to mention that because it's, it's rare and unique and I have to remember to to talk about this more 
because with Adafruit, it's kind of just assumed, but it's very different out there. This is this is different than the rest of the world. Oh, and if you guys have other requests for components or things, um, there's yeah. a place you can submit an issue. If you don't know how to do a PR, first of all, we can help you. Um, we have a guide also how to add components, but if you have a component that uh, we sell um, that you want added, uh, put in a issue request. And uh, you know, if when, when we add it or somebody else does, uh, you'll get notified. Yeah. Okay, it's everybody's favorite segment. It's a chip shortage every day. It's a chip shortage in every way. This week, it's TDK. Lady Ada. <laughs> that rhymed. Yes. Okay. What this part we, can't we get? We can't. We definitely cannot get this part. The TDK ICM twenty nine forty eight. It's a popular nine DOF sensor. Um, you know the LSM nine DS one disappeared. It's end of line. It's actually ironic. We're, we actually got a couple of LSM nine DS ones. The problem, though, with the um, LSM 91 is the price, like, basically went up like six six times uh, over the course of this ship shortage. Um, but the uh, whoa, there's the double the TDK. Um, we <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I did that. Well, because you wanted more TDKs. <laughs> I guess so. Oh, uh, the ICM, um, the uh, uh, sorry, twenty uh, what was it? Shoot, now I forgot. Twenty nine forty eight. Um, yeah, a lot of, it's actually the same company that makes the MPU 6050, and so this was a quite popular uh, sensor because a lot of people, you know, moved from the 6050 to this. Um, so it's a great sensor. It has, like, Fusion built in. If you use, like, their firmware, it's a cool chip. And guess what? Guess what? Guess what? We can't get any, Phil. Yeah, so... <laughs> uh, we can't get any of these chips. Yeah, so I went to the website. I was like, well, maybe I can, like, find what TDK stands for. You or, thought maybe you could find it? Yeah, and so what are we using it in? Well, we use it in our ICM breakout, which we have a lot of people waiting for. Um, it's a STEMIC UT board. It's a really easy way to add nine DOF sensors to um, your project. Again, this is a really cool sensor with the accelerometer, gyro, and magnetometer built in. We can't make it. Used do, by do children use this to learn? Yes. <laughs> there's um, people who are making robots that help children and orphans. Yeah. And old ladies cross the street safely. Yeah. Um, it's also used video game systems, entertainment, um, things that bring joy, you know? So um, we went to the DigiKey site because we're like, well, maybe we can find some there. No. Nah. And there's not even, you can't even back order. I mean, you can, but they're like, we don't know when we're going to get it. Um, and we did order, what was the date? I think we have it on the next slide. We ordered 3,000 in December of 2021. And now we're getting told we might not get some until July 2023, not this July, next July, or January 2024. Okay, I'm not convinced that this planet will be habitable then. I would like to get these sensors uh, before, like, some apocalypse occurs. Please. Please. Monsieur Mr. TDK. TDK. Please, please really send us, yeah. please send us like one or 2,000 pieces. So in the chat, TDK stands for Tokyo Denki uh, Kagaku? Yeah. Which translates to... Um, hey, could you please send us some chips? Yes. 
Thanks. Unending wave of chip. So I'm going to uh, just play the, the sound the song again. But um, yeah, we really need these. <laughs> so. Yeah, like this one is particularly since it's been it'll be three years, three or four years since they were ordered. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's uh, this week's chip shortage. Don't worry, we'll be back with another segment probably next week. Yeah, someone was asking about t-shirts. Yeah, maybe we'll do it. We'll see. We might have to. It's really funny. We so might like, have to pivot. You know, on other sites, like not really, not Adafruit sites, like people talk about chip shortage and somebody's always like, check out this cool tune. And they send, they send the clip of the 30 second song on YouTube. Yeah. Someone said, we're YouTube influencers begging for chips now. It's true. Yeah. But if, it if, works. If only we could influence YouTube. Yeah. Um, All right, so we get your letters. This one is from Ron. Um, very short and nice email to us and our team. Just wanted to say you guys are a very good company to deal with. Every transaction smooth. Ron, not a lot of words why, from Ron. Why use many word when few word better, yeah, if faster? I had, if I had more time, I would have wrote you a shorter email. So thank you, Ron. I really appreciate that. Um, that's nice. We share these with our team every single week because you know how it goes. You always don't get the, uh, the good sprinkles. You have to, you have to, you have to make sure you distribute this. Sometimes people are mean. All right, Python on hardware time. Um, I'm not going to say we have like a Circuit Python day hangover because there's a lot going on on Friday. Um, but we're still kind of like, whoa, that was like that was intense. So there was an unending day of things. But um, before we get to some of the highlights about that that we wanted to mention. Um, CircuitPython 8 beta is out, and Lady Ada, um, not only is this poster, I think there's still some available. Yes. Es Espressive still gave us, uh, they gave us permission to use the Espressive logo um, as part of it, because that's a, that's a big uh, chunk of what we're talking about with CircuitPython 8. But um, what are some of the things, do you have any favorite things? I'm okay. going to say Wi-Fi workflow. But the Wi-Fi workflow okay. is the biggest that's thing. Amazing. Um, you know, Espressive, we also ESP32 um, as a chip that is supported we've supported the esp32 s2 and s3 and like the c3 but really for that original esp32 uh, natural flavor um, we needed to have wi-fi workflow or web workflow so that um well i call it web but it's, it's wi-fi workflow and we have a web browser interface to it um, that basically allows you to upload files to have file editing to have a REPL access um, because we don't have we have USB CDC, but we don't have that mass storage for drag and drop. But we're hoping, you know, with the web interface, you can easily upload files and um, it'll make it a lot easier for people to use ESP32 with CircuitPython. So it's really exciting. We have a couple boards. Um, we're going to be adding more uh, ESP32 boards. But folks out there, if you have, look in your box. You probably have some weirdo ESP32 yeah. chip module, breakout board, dev board. Um, submit a PR, and we will um, add support for your board with all the pins and the namings, and you know default hardware. If there's a screen, we can have that. The screen has the REPL. 
Um, and it'll show the IP address when it connects. Wow, wouldn't that be fun? So uh, it's definitely an invitation out there. Okay. One thing too, um, there's a new uh, feature, a .env file. Mm. So you could put like all the Wi-Fi stuff in instead of like a secrets file. Yeah. Um, I think that's neat because if you if you're like old school and it was like, remember like Windows uh, .ini files? Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's yeah, cool. it's it's apparently <laughs> a standard, you know, a C Pythonism that yeah. we are we're using. Uh, and we have a tutorial also how to get started with the ESP32. So if you're, you know, you can actually use, honestly, our Feather definition. It'll probably work for a lot of boards because yeah. a lot of people use the room module. But um, it's just the pin names might not be like, you know, LED. So if you think about it, what's the future with a lot of microcontrollers? Well, they're probably going to be Bluetooth, Wi-Fi. They'll probably do things with batteries and screens, things like e-ink. And they'll probably have a scripting language like Python. And that's what we have with CircuitPython. Yeah. And the .env stuff, you're going to need to put things like Bluetooth uh, values, names, and stuff like that. You'll need to put Wi-Fi passwords, credentials, credentials and stuff. Credentials, yeah. And so that's really powerful that you could do that just by plugging in. Shows up a USB drive, could do that. And now and you're doing this like, it's a, like a full-on little computer on the internet. Okay. So CircuitPython Day, we're calling it a success. Thank you so much, the entire team. Uh, special like report to Katney helped coordinate a lot of it. Um, so all the videos are on our YouTube. You can check out the CircuitPython Day introduction, celebrating code and community, CircuitPython Day panel discussion, the development sprint intro video, the CircuitPython project build with maker Melissa, the special edition CircuitPython theme show and tell, um, the CircuitPython Day preview, the CircuitPython Day chat with Katney, Jeff, and Dan, and Foamy Guy CircuitPython Day game jam stream. Um, and then there was also an additional one, reimagining IoT deployments for CircuitPython, and that was from Blues Wireless. So it was a day you can watch all the stuff, all the videos are up, and there's still more going on, and we'll probably have, I think there's gonna be some like office hour sprints coming up um, that the team's doing. People love them, yeah. Yeah, Tim and Tetrick are doing. Um, and then check out the rest of the newsletter. We have CircuitPython target support. Yes, which is really exciting. A lot of people wanted it, and thank you uh, to Mark to, mm. for adding that PR. It was a community contribution, um, but it's really handy. You could check out the latest CircuitPython show. Brent was interviewed there. And then just like the unending projects. I really like this. Uh, this is kind of nice. What is, what is it? Is it from a movie <laughs> or something? Yeah, it's from a little raccoon. Okay, there's a raccoon. Um, and then uh, Scientific CircuitPython. That was one of the talks. That was uh, from Twitter. Um, and then mm. just, you know, unending projects and more all made. Uh, Talk about a really neat 3D printed case for this Raspberry Pi Pico uh, step sequencer and programmed CircuitPython. It's kind of amazing to see this project go from like a tweet, like sketch and then like real and then playing stuff and like look at it. Like, oh, it looks so cool. That's something you can make. And he's mm -hmm. got the OLED, he's got the, the, those mm -hmm. little stripes that make it so 80s. Yeah. Cool. And so uh, join the fun. You can get this delivered to your inbox every single week. Go to Adafruit Daily. And speaking of how we do things, adafruitdaily.com is a completely separate site. It has nothing to do with your store account at all whatsoever. We call it adafruitdaily.com. And that's so you know that this is just for newsletters. There's no spam. There's no ads. There's no nothing. There's no sponsorship on newsletters. It's just newsletters. And you can subscribe and subscribe anytime, or you can also read on the website like I just showed. And I do. that is this week's Python Hardware. Thank you, Blinka. Yeah. All right. We're an open source hardware company. We have 2,717 guides. 
and uh, we do a bunch of open source. Yeah. This week on the big board. Okay, we had a bunch we of have new a lot. and updated guides. Yeah. Some of these updated guides were really updated. So, um, first off, we updated the two-factor authentication guide. Um, it now talks about YubiKeys, and I think we also added a page on um, Linux. And if not, we're going to add that. Um, the how to set up a Raspberry Pi for a Wi-Fi access point. You can see it's using the original Pi One. Uh, Paint Your Dragon went through and completely cleared it out and, and redid the whole thing. Um, we published the CircuitPython ESP32 Quick Start. That's a new guide by Carter um, that I chipped in a little bit too. Um, like we said, CircuitPython 8 now has ESP32 support for the original not S2, not S3, not C3, <clears throat> ESP32. And if you want to get started, we show you how to set up your Wi-Fi credentials, connect over the Wi-Fi workflow. Um, we're also working on getting Thonny working, and we're going to update this guide uh, with all the latest. But it's a you can get started now. And then uh, we also have um, a new guide, the ESP32 S3 TFT <laughs> Feather. Thank you, Katni, for writing it up. Uh, Arduino and CircuitPython support all the files. It's basically the ESP32 TFT Feather, but with a different module. But still, the downloads are all updated and corrected now. Um, Liz capped off an amazing month of. Um, sorry, three months of Raspberry Pi Azure IoT projects with CircuitPython, starting with making a little temperature humidity sensor that just sends data to the cloud, uh, to now how you can have three or four devices and you can have a hub and it's on a Raspberry Pi with Python and it's displaying your status and check-in and um, you know, your billing costs. So it's a really a powerful project that pulls together the, the previous few projects um, to really uh, show how easy it is to make you know, industrial grade, enterprise grade IoT with CircuitPython, Python, and Microsoft Azure. And thanks to Microsoft for uh, sponsoring these guides and we love doing them. Um, JP updated the flying faders guide, the, the motorized fader guide to now have Arduino support. I had CircuitPython before, but now it's Arduino-fied. And Jepler updated the camera images for CircuitPython guide. Um, we refactored the library in eight um, to use the ESP32 camera module, which is going to be much more supported than our kind of hand cobbled together version. And we're also adding um, ESP32 support, again, not S2 or S3. S2 and S3 are supported. We're now adding the original. Okay. More guides ahead. Um, we're on our way to 2800. Okay. It's time for some factory footage.
And like I said, we're going to be switching gears up. Uh, this is uh, some sky. Because we're tired of showing this Disney villain. That's beautiful. Yeah. So we'll have... Uh, I think we're just going to do some fun, weird time lapses. Because uh, enough enough with that building. 3D printing. All right, we've got two projects. We're gonna show this IoT project and then we're gonna do a fun speed up. This one's a skull within a skull within a skull within a skull within a skull. That sounds metagoth. You can build an IoT project and take control of it on your phone using Adafruit's Whippersnapper. IoT projects just got a whole lot easier. With Adafruit's Whippersnapper, you can connect I2C sensors and do useful things with your data. Capture temperature data to detect the humidity in a room so it can trigger a smart outlet and turn on a humidifier. Adafruit's Cutie Pie ESP32-S2 is a small yet powerful IoT dev board that works great with Whippersnapper. Whippersnapper is Adafruit's no-code solution for making IoT projects with support for dozens of Wi-Fi enabled dev boards. Dozens of IoT dev boards are supported and can be easily configured without having to install software or write any code. Now with support for Adafruit's STEMAQT sensors, you can daisy chain multiple boards together for a plug and play experience. With dozens of STEMAQT sensors, you can detect light, temperature, humidity, pressure, and the air quality, just to name a few. You can 3D print a snap fit case to house your sensors and use the mounting holes to secure everything together. Make it portable with a USB battery bank and start plotting your data on the go. Setting up Whippersnapper has gotten even better. Start by choosing your dev board or just type it in the search box. There's lots of new ESP32 based boards to choose from. Access your boards in the new devices page and quickly see their status and firmware. You can even update them by clicking on the update firmware link. Updating your devices now features an easy to follow wizard that walks you through each step. Just follow along to download the firmware and install it by dragging and dropping it onto your board. Add your Wi-Fi credentials to automatically generate the secrets JSON file needed for connecting your board to your network. Upload it to your dev board just like dragging and dropping a file to a USB flash drive. The LEDs on your device uses different colors to indicate their status so you can easily tell what's going on. You can add components to your device by clicking on the large plus icon. Choose from a list of basic pin components or the new I2C Stemma sensors. Whippersnapper will automatically scan for connected components and let you enable features. The SCD30 sensor has temperature, humidity, and CO2 levels. You can set how often to read the data using the drop-down menu. Creating components automatically creates feeds and stores your data so you can start logging and plotting. Make beautiful dashboards to display your data using line charts, gauges, and other blocks. You can customize their appearance with the Edit Layout feature to resize or rearrange them however you like. Dashboards work great even on mobile devices, so you can customize them when you're on the go. Create a new timer action to make a feed turn something on for a set amount of time and then turn it off automatically. In this example, we're turning on a dehumidifier connected to a smart outlet whenever the sensor detects the humidity in the room is too high. More fun features have been added to Whippersnapper like the ability to use emojis in your titles. We think this is a great way to tell your dashboards apart. We've also added the ability to change the icons and the various labels when configuring your components. Whippersnapper is free when using two devices with a limit of 10 feeds. To unlock more devices and feeds, you can upgrade to an Adafruit IO Plus plan. 
just head on over to io.adafruit.com to get started. We hope this inspires you to check out the latest features in Adafruit's Whippersnapper and start making IoT projects. Tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. to learn all the stuff on 3D Hangouts, the longest-running 3D printing live show in the known universe. All right, Lydia. Um, you know, a little bit of a, a, a note here, a little yeah. hub report, a couple of things. People really are digging uh, Whippersnapper and Adafruit.io. Um, feedback, though, it's getting easier and easier every day. Uh-oh. I'm so sorry. Mm. You're going to save oh, so much time. Ta- yeah, the experts, the cranky pants who want you to cut your teeth on things. You gotta learn the hard way. Yeah. No, you don't actually. Well, that's why I like it. It's like we have like you know we we have these tutorials for Azure, like this extremely powerful cloud that does a ton of stuff, and Whippersnapper, which is plug and play. You know, it's like you can there's space for both. Yeah. I wanted something that basically like school kids could use. Like you could just plug in some sensors, you type in a few things to get your Wi-Fi set up, and then your data is logged. You can track data. Like, it's so cool. Yeah. So thank you. Um, all right, let's uh, do some I on MPI. All right, I on MPI brought to you by DigiKey for this week. It is Microchip Lady Data. What is this week's I on MPI? I'm glad you asked. You know what's funny is I don't think we've done microchip chips before. We've done some microchip other sensors and products, um, but this I think is the first you know microchip or at least AVR chip that we've covered on INMPI, because you know we haven't used AVR chips. I mean we use them all the time, but um, you know we haven't really talked about new ones as much. But there has been a lot of innovations in uh, the 8-bit AVR microcontroller line from microchip and. Uh, there's a new series that came out, and so I wanted to check it out. It's the DD series, um, the microchip DD. Now, be, you know, just to be clear, it says AVR64. It's not 64-bit. That's just the size of the flash. Uh, and then DD um, is the, the series, and then 32 is the number of pins in this package. In this case, it's a 32-pin QFN. Uh, so what is this? It's an 8-bit micro. Um, so if you're used to AVR microcontrollers like the Atmega T or AT Tiny or Atmega 328, this will be familiar. Um, they run up to 64 megahertz, and again, it's one instruction uh, per per clock cycle. Uh, you know, some of them aren't, but many of them are, including a hardware multiply, which is a two-cycle hardware multiplier. Uh, it runs at 24 megahertz, uh, 1632-64K of flash. 248K of RAM, you know, the bigger, the more expensive, et cetera. And of course there's EEPROM, there's also NVRAM, and they come in all sorts of different packages from 14 uh, to 32 pin, including a 28 dip, which is like 
quite brave of them uh, to come up with a dip chip of a, of a new microcontroller these days. Um, but you know, if you're used to using, um, you know, RISC chipsets uh, like you know RISC V or ARM Cortex, you might be like, well, why why would I want to go backwards to an AVR 8-bit? Well, one thing is simplicity. I mean, like. There was nothing as easy as, as controlling an AVR. You could really just put in register commands. You didn't have to worry about locking the bus or like muxing this or like this controller affected that. I mean, it's very simple. Um, it's very straightforward. It's very fast. You know, your interrupts will go off very quickly because there isn't, there's not as much sharing of, of this, this backend resource I found. Um, they're very inexpensive because you're not paying the um, ARM licensing fee. And you know, there's actually a surprising, you know, a lot of people, they only move to maybe a 32-bit processor, not because they need uh, literally the um, amount of, of you know, speed or the number of bits in a, in a multiply or add, but because they need all the peripherals. But um, there's some really cool peripherals. Um, so we'll go over those in a second. So there's a bunch in this family. What I do like is that, um, Microchip has kind of like done a very standardized way of like how many pins, how much flash and, and memory and they made this little grid where it's like you can kind of get any config and anything, you know, obviously you're going to get you're going to get more timers in when you have more pins. And I think there's like two underlying dies, but basically you pick your number of pins, then you pick the amount of flash and you're mostly paying for for flash memory um, and the SRAM increases with it as well. So there's, there's a range, not all of them are in stock right now or released right now. Um, so these are, you know, the families basically, you double the flash, you double the RAM, EEPROM stays the same and the uh, uh, NVM memory stays the same. Okay, so on to the peripherals. So here's some cool things. So one, it's running at 24 megahertz, which is a little faster than the standard, like 16 or eight that I'm used to, but it's got five timers, uh, 16, uh, four 16 bit, sorry. Yeah, four 16 bit timers and a 12 bit timer. There's two UARTs, two hardware UARTs. So you can use one for like debugging, and then you can use one for um, you know different hardware. You can have two hardware UARTs because you have. This is like, it's really if you don't have a UART, they're really you can't bit bang a UART very easily. Um, there's SPI, there's I squared C, there is a 12 bit ADC. So usually it's 10 bit, but this one is 12, which is quite nice. Um, that's as, as good as you're going to get on a Cortex. And it's multiplexed to just about all the pins. I mean, you know, on the 14, a bit, you know, half the GPIO have ADC on them, 23 on the 32 pin, seven on the 14. Uh, there's a 10-bit DAC, which is cool. Uh, and there's the analog comparator and zero detector. Um, these do not have the peripheral touch controller. Uh, you can kind of fake it with a one megaohm resistor and they don't have an op amp. They do have two cool things, the CCL LUT and um, the MVIO, and the CCL LUT is, um, is interesting. I think I forgot to add an image. Actually, no, yeah, sorry, the next image is the CCL LUT, so let's go to the CCL LUT. So it's kind of like a micro CPLD, um, and you can kind of make like a Manchester encoder, or you can make an SR latch. You basically get like three or four different modules, and each one has like a, a, a logic lookup table, so you can, turn it into any kind of gate and then you can take events or interrupts and be like, okay, this interrupt X or that interrupt, I want to generate a third interrupt or something, or I want that to come in, you know, so this GPIO triggers this or triggers that. So it, it's an interesting, like if you would normally have, um, you know, an external piece of logic that just kind of helps you do a little bit of, of glue, um, it's built into um, the chips now. And I think it's, 
I think it's probably handy when you're just doing like counter timers, motor control, interrupt manipulation where you want, you know, only trigger on this when not this interrupt, etc. So instead of doing that in software, which is slow, you can do that instantaneously in hardware with these uh, logic lookup tables. The other thing that's cool, uh, and I haven't seen that CC a lot I've seen before, but the MVIO is, is new and interesting. So um, it's a way of basically having you know two voltage domains for your microcontroller. So what you normally have is like, let's say you have a five volt MCU, like these MCUs run up to five volts, and you need five volts because you're doing some CAN bus stuff or you're interfacing with hardware that you know, it needs to be five volts. Um, and you want a three volt sensor, we usually use a logic level shifter, right? Either you use like a, an I squared C shifter, use some FETs and some pull-ups, and that works fine, but like now your board's gotten bigger, it's more complicated, the materials has gone up. Um, what this system does, and there's some code that shows what it looks like, is you basically have a separate VDDIO, VDIO2, and it can be higher or lower than the core voltage. In here, it's 1.8, but it could be 1.3 to or 1.5 or 5 to 3 or 5 to 2, whatever. And then there's one port for the GPIO that could be I squared C, SPI, UR, or just plain GPIO. And that port can run on the second voltage and it does, it's, it's completely logic safe for that voltage. Um, so for example, instead of losing a logic level shifter, you run your core at 3.3 volts. Some stuff is at three, and then you have an LCD, you know, a lot of LCD modules, they want to have five volt logic and power, not a problem. Um, you give it that second five volt power supply, and you don't have to worry about logic level shifting. Um, likewise, you can go the other way. You have a five volt core, you want to connect to a three volt sensor, not a problem, you use the MVIO, you set that port up to be 3.3 volt, and then you talk to the sensor. <laughs> Um, at that logic level, so pretty neat. Um, and there's a, uh, I kind of just love this diagram. This is like no logic level shifter, you do it all in. So check out uh, TB3287, that's the app note on how to get started with this. You know, it doesn't generate the voltage on its own, you do have to supply the voltage, um, so you do need to have the power supply, but you probably need that anyways to power the sensor, um, so you have enough current for the sensor. And here's the best part, all this is in stock. No yes, way. you can actually buy it, and it's pretty affordable. Yeah. Um, so these chips, uh, oh, excuse me, go back, sorry. Yeah. These chips are unit one, they're about a dollar twenty-five to a dollar sixty um, in quantity 100, which is kind of the standard pre-manufacturing quantity for microchip. Um, they get down to a dollar. Uh, so these are, you know, a lot more memory, a lot more a lot more timers, um, especially if you're always hungry for timers and, and there's never enough. Um, these are a great upgrade from, you know, your at megas, your maybe some X megas even, um, AT tinies, uh, swap them in with this and you'll be happy. You can also get a dev board. I'll show it off really quickly if people want to see it, but it's basically a Curiosity Nano. Um, I like these dev boards because they're breadboard friendly and they've got the little debugging interface as well, and the debugging interface usually has serial as well, um, but these are uh, these are nice. It uses um, UPDI, by the way, for programming and debugging. Um, this is a great way to get all the GPIO. It's castellated, but you also um, breadboard it up. And there's a tutorial on using this with the, um, you can see VDIO2 here, so you can use that if you want to test out the MVIO preferable we just chatted about. 
Um, and finally, uh, there is support in MPLAB, of course, which is um, the microchip slash AVR IDE. But if you want to use Arduino, um, Spence Conde, who has some really great uh, AVR and mega teeny cores, uh, has either added or is in the process right now of adding uh, DD series, as he says. They did done the DD, the DD parts are shipping. So um, they picked up a couple of different chips and they're adding support. Uh, so you'll see that if you want to use Arduino core, that could be um, interesting mix to mix you know, Arduino with this kind of new peripheral chip. Available on DigiKey, it's really in stock, 537 at the time of this printing. By printing, I mean screechoning. And uh, here's a little short video. The AVR-DD family is Microchip's latest addition to our portfolio of 8-bit AVR microcontrollers. Whether you're designing a household appliance, a robust controller board for a factory application, or an extremely low-power IoT sensor node connected to a device on the other side of the planet, the AVR-DD product family makes it easy to prototype and get your product to market faster. The family features high-performance devices with large memories that are available in low pin count packages. They offer extremely low power consumption to increase battery life in portable applications. These MCUs are also excellent options for safety-critical and secure applications that require small form factor solutions. They offer noteworthy analog and real-time control capabilities, including a 12-bit differential ADC in a small 14-pin package. Other key features include a user-configurable event system, configurable custom logic, and many other core independent peripherals, so you can easily customize your design. This microcontroller family is available in 14, 20, 28, and 32 pins in SOIC, SPDIP, VQFN, and TQFP packages, with 16, 32, and 64 kilobytes of flash memory available in each of these packages. All right. Thank you in the chat. You know, sometimes folks kind of say exactly the thing that, um, you're thinking of, but they just crystallize it better. So guy in the chat says, well, that helps with my what else to add to DigiKey cart problem. That's pick exactly up, yeah, that's why we do these, because it's like you're, you're checking out and you're like, well, you know, if you have a free shipping tier, if there's all these, uh, whatever you're doing on the, the DigiKey side, if you're like, well, I may as well, this is why we do IMPI, because it works. And it's interesting. We were talking, you know, with the um, <laughs> with the audio muted, but we were saying is like some weeks we're like, oh, let's do an IMPI. NMP, and some weeks we're, we're looking at some of the new products. We're like, oh, maybe, maybe not. And it's like, wow, this is actually pretty interesting. Like, this is this is a really neat. Yeah. So they don't, they, as I mentioned, they don't have the dip in stock yet, but they do have the. I think the SOIC is in stock, so it's big enough you can solder it onto one of our breakout boards um, and get started. Or again, I, I do recommend the Curiosity Nano. It's like twenty bucks or so, um, but it kind of has everything, and you can get started with it, and you don't have to worry about like you know how to wire the crystal or like the power supplies. <laughs> Um, but it's interesting. I mean, like, I think it's cool that they're continuing to innovate in this, like, 8-bit yeah. AVR land. Like, I know that everyone's kind of moved on, and they're like, RP2040, or, like, Raspberry, you know, Pi, or RISC-V, or ESP32. But it's like, there's actually still a lot going on in 8-bit. Okay, quick question before we do uh, new products. Mm -hmm. um, could that microchip CPU be as a Seesaw-type board on a future Adafruit board? It could be, especially since it's got... You know the DAC and maybe this this CCL LUT and the MVIO. 
Right now, of course, it's a very new chip. I wouldn't like gut everything to start over, um, but it's very affordable. You know, it's a dollar each, and it's probably going to get more, less expensive. You know, it's going to get cheaper um, as time goes on. So definitely, you know, there's a couple different series of the DA series, uh, and then this DD series. But um, they're they're taking the new peripherals from that they're design, designing, and they're adding them back into from the ARM Cortex land. Uh, back into the AVRs. I think that's kind of neat. Don't forget the goods fuel. Let's do some new products. Oh, new, new, new. I forgot. <laughs> Sorry, I was so distracted. New. New, new. New, 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 right, new. Well, that was my 433 minutes of new silence. Um, okay, first up, we've got from iRobot, we've got the Create 3, which we um, we had the Create 2, and now we have upgraded to the Create 3. This is basically, this is cool, because you, you know you and I met over Roomba hacking. Yes. People used to take Roomba robots, and you would plug into like the debug port, and you'd be able to control it. And people were doing this, and like I think iRobot was like, oh, wow, that's kind of an interesting idea. Um, yeah, of course, you know, you want to build robots. But the most annoying part of building a robot is the chassis, and the motor driver and the you know yeah. drawing the sensor. My favorite robot base because I'm like if it's they've really made strong. millions of robots that it's the most successful household robot. If they've figured that out, this is what I want as a robo chassis. Yeah. Um, so it's not you know I even like that they've got like little drill spots and everything. Um, it, so it's basically like the guts of like the iRobot robot, but it, it's not like. It's not like they just removed the vacuum. Like it is redesigned specifically, but it, it's designed based on yeah. um, the agro. So just so you know, it does not do any vacuum. The tagline isn't, it's all the parts that don't suck, but that could be. That could be. <laughs> um, so it's, what's cool is it's now got Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. They've updated it. You no longer need a cable. Uh, so you can control it remotely. They've got uh, a Python web editor. Um, they've got like all sorts of example yeah. code for sensors. It's they've got a sensor idea. port. Um, it's it's really neat. I like that they are continuing to do this. You know, I know that, um, you know, iRobot, I think they just got purchased. And I, I know that yep. they, they are still, you know, making robots for homes and making robots for industry. Um, but they their, their roots are from, you know, college kids who like to hack together robots. And I'm glad that they um, are coming back to it. So I think this is a really nice upgrade. It's a really good deal. Like, you would not be able to build this kind of quality robot chassis for the $300 at this cost like it is it believe me like the motors and the battery and the charger and the case and the injection molder and the sensing and the Wi-Fi Bluetooth connection it is cheaper just to get this and hack what you want onto it yeah and then here's a little and video and runs a, a ROS as well Built from the blueprint of a Roomba robot vacuum meet the Create 3 educational robot iRobot's new mobile robot development platform for learning ROS2. A canvas for your creativity, the Create 3 arrives pre-assembled and ready to go with a suite of smart technology. Program the Create 3 to perform simple behaviors, sounds, and movements to grasp the fundamentals of robotics, computer science, and engineering. Or tap into advanced applications including autonomous localization, navigation, and telepresence. The Create 3 lets you mount and power payloads, connect and run third-party hardware, use its cargo bay for storage, and dock the robot on its home-based charging station. 
As a connected robot, you can talk to the Creed 3 in multiple ways and choose between running ROS2, the iRobot coding app, or iRobot Education's Python web playground. Looking for ways to get started? Explore the iRobot Education Learning Library for basic tutorials and sample projects. Or check out the 3D simulation of the Create 3 using Ignition Gazebo or the iRobot coding app for increased access to robotics education and research. What will you create? Next up. Next up, uh, by popular request, we have another PIR sensor. This is a mini all-in-one PIR sensor that is, you know, PCB or breadboard compatible. Uh, PIR sensors are great for detecting um, small animals or humans, basically warm things uh, that uh, reflect IR radiation. Um, so these work about five meters away. Uh, we've carried like the standard four pin version for quite a bit where it's like power ground, you know, delay time and output. Um, this one has an output enable pin and also adds a sensitivity pin so you can adjust how sensitive it is. Um, so if you're, you know, need a little bit more control over your PIR, you'll need to add the external uh, resistor divider, but um, these sensors are a, a very easy and handy way to um, make a pretty advanced, but you know, project embeddable uh, PIR sensor for detecting human motion. And the star of the show tonight, besides you, Lady Ada, our team, our customers, our community, and all the people who come together to show and share all the important things in the world of technology that you build yourself, yes. is this product tonight? It's the Mac 17048. So the reason we have this is we love the LC709203 LiPo um, charge monitor and fuel gauge. Uh, it doesn't use an R-Sense, and it's very inexpensive, and it uses I squared C. Unfortunately, it is end of line, and while we still can get the LC709203, eventually we will not be able to because it's no longer being made. Uh, so once we exhaust our reserves, uh, we'll probably switch over to this, the BAC17048, which, uh, like the LC chip, is a fuel gauge that is... Um, uh, it does not require an R-Sense. You just you know, plug the battery and then it monitors the battery while it's under load. Um, this one has some neat things like, for example, in addition to, of course, voltage and percentage, it'll also tell you the charge or discharge rate, which is handy. Uh, so if you uh, go back one, you can see on the uh, screen, you know, um, it running, you know, the battery is running the feather and the OLED. Uh, it's a good, pretty powerful feather, so it's it, the charge rate's going down 21% an hour. And this is handy if you're like, you're, you know, you want to estimate whether your um, battery, how long it's going to take your battery to run out. So obviously you can just always just time it with a timer, see how long your project runs. But um, with this, it's uh, quite nice because you can um, see, okay, 21%, that means this will last five hours on this battery. So uh, as you... Um, you know, try swapping out different batteries. You can see what the uh, rate is of change. Uh, it also has a lot of low power modes and alert modes. It has an interrupt output. If you want to be interrupted when the charge rate goes above or below a certain amount, the voltage percentage goes above or below a certain amount. And uh, it's controllable over I squared C. So we've got um, Arduino and CircuitPython slash Python code available for it. And that's new products. I forgot to sing the new song before, so I'm singing it twice. That's okay. New, 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 new. 
Well, you're, you're a scientist. You know, time doesn't matter in a lot of formulas. No. It doesn't have to move uh, forward, the era of time. You can use it, you can go, it can go either way. Yeah. In, in laboratory settings or in a vacuum. You can play this video backwards. Yeah. So it doesn't matter that you did it at the beginning. I mean, here's the thing, you're a floating Boltzmann brain anyways. What yeah, you, I was telling Lamar about know? the story about the, the history of the law of thermodynamics, and I'm like, oh yeah, let me tell you about Boltzmann brains, this is great. Anyways, let's do uh, some top secret, and um, while we're doing top secret, you can put your questions up in the Discord channel, and uh, let's do some top secret. Let's look in the vault. Yeah, well, we got a quick video. We shot this in the park, so you can check it out. Okay, Lady Ada, what is this? Hey, we're here in Washington Square Park in a beautiful, sunny New York afternoon, and I'm testing out uh, a UV sensor. This is the I2C UV-B uh, sensor from Genicom, and I've got here um, an ESP32, and it's printing out the UVB raw data, and it's converting it to an index. Not sure if this index calculation is correct, but uh, hopefully uh, this data, I can capture it and then do some analysis. Okay. That's top secret this week. Um, we're gonna roll right into questions. Okay, I have a couple lined up. We, off, we answered the microchip one. That's done. Sweet about the seesaw thing. Okay, uh, is it better behaved on I squared C than the LC709 203F? Um, I don't know whether What's, it- What is the is it referring to? I think it's a new product because it's, it's similar. It, um, I think so, um, but it's hard <laughs> to know if there's any weird exceptions. The LC709 does require quite a bit of clock stretching. Um, and some platform, you know, a lot of platforms are okay with it, but not, not all platforms are. Um, I haven't measured the clock stretch. The fact of the matter is like the boards I would be using this with support clock stretch and I haven't had any problems with them. Um, I did not try this on a Raspberry Pi yet, uh, which is usually the picky, you know, the pickiest because it doesn't have hardware support for clock stretch. Which is another reason why i3C is removing clock stretch support. I totally know those feels. Um, but so far it's, it's been solid. I've not had any issue with it. And I know that people have been using the sensor for a bit. So I think it's a little bit better, but I don't, I can't promise it will work with every <laughs> platform forever in the future. Okay. Scott left, uh, left a little teaser before his maternity leave about the ESP32 SX BLE. Any more info? Um, well, uh, the reason we don't have BLE yet is, you know, we want to, integrate nimble support um it's not easy it's it's not trivial it's not coming anytime soon soon but it's something that we will we will eventually attack okay question on the lc 709203f there's a few battery volume examples curious how different it would be to add some other battery sizes like one come come on 200 the the, uh, the the max 17 doesn't you know they do have like some pre-programmed table and you can contact maxim i'll say to be honest you you don't really need to use the pack size thing it's it's it helps a little bit but it's um the batteries pretty much act the same no matter what so you just want to get for them for the lc get close for the maxim it doesn't seem to care 
Okay, and then this one, someone on YouTube asked the curiosity board header holes are not a line. I think it's an innovation from SparkFun. Yes, that's here it's not a line. To help hold inline headers in place for soldering. Yeah, or, it pinches them. Or uh, have enough friction to make good electrical contact. I, I will say I don't use it. It's like, it's it's a stagger header. I, I don't use it and I, I, I probably should. I just just never did. Um, but it is, it is, it is, it doesn't look like they're even, but they do work in a breadboard and it basically holds the pins. I would not trust it instead of soldering. Um, but it's probably going to be easier to solder and keep the pad straight. Okay. Uh, how much stuff will the i3C break that uses Adafruit I2C clock searching? Well, I3C does not, well, when we covered it last couple of months ago, it does not appear to support clock stretch. So it will not support clock stretch. However, I3C is still like not here yet. It's it's very, very, very early. Um, I haven't seen any microcontrollers that support it. Probably only like processor chips because they want that inline interrupt and the readdressing. Um, I, I do not know what will happen to clock stretch chips if you try to put them on I3C line. Okay. I mean, is why have a standard if you can't break it, right? Is it possible to communicate over Wi-Fi or not? ESP32 S2, but not using a web server. Yeah, sure. You can open up a socket and just send bytes over it. I don't know if there's an example code for it, but there's it's technically possible. Okay. And them's the questions for the night. Oh, no, one more snuck in. What's the status of the new displays with iSpy? So here's the deal. I got to redo like all of the displays, um, which I'm like not super excited about, but, um, as I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have to, I have to redo a lot. I did actually did uh, just send out a board. That's a little, I spy breakup, basically like, uh, so I was doing it and then like a lot of shit changed and I just approved all new samples of the TFTs. Um, and they're all compatible, but I have to change some things and I have to like redesign a bunch of boards. And so I'm going to add iSpy connectors. So like it's happening, it's just like happening with a slight delay, but then again, time it does not exist. So it's fine. Um, all right. That's our show for tonight. Yeah. Thanks, Thank you everybody. everybody. Uh, code is fuel. Special thanks to Zay who's behind the scenes in our Slack channel, doing stuff and yeah. more. This has been an Adafruit production. Thank you so much, everyone, for Thank joining you. us tonight. We very much appreciate it. We'll see you all during the week. We have lots of new surprises, new products, new guides, new everything and more. Thank you so much for being a cool, great place where lots of people can come together. The world needs more of this. We'll help lead the way together. Here is your moment of Zener. Thanks, everybody.